Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. Hope you are all well, witches. On today's episode, we are talking all about soul loss. And our book review for today is Hedgewitch, A Guide to Solitary Witchcraft, written by Ray Beth. The minute I started this book, I knew I loved it. By far one, if not my favorite book on the craft. Yes, I said it, my all-time favorite witchcraft book. This is now the first book I would also recommend someone coming to the craft who perhaps wants to understand more around the wheel of the year and perhaps Wicca. It's wonderful and delivered in such a magical way through the method of letters that a witch sends to two of her apprentices. The book delves into the goddess, the horned god, the mother maiden crone, trance work, herbalism, paganism, moon celebrations, self-initiation as a witch, hand fastings, birth blessings, death and funerals for witches, the Summerlands, Wicca, and as a result of that, every single Sabbath and how to celebrate. I think this is an absolute game changer and will definitely impact and change many ways I work within my craft. My favorite section has to be the trance work, and this is an area of my practice that I really want to develop. I can't tell you how much this book leads into some of the soul loss work we are looking at today, because the book provides so many different areas you can work on personally within a trance state. And they include finding life's purpose, improving health, psychic cleansing and rebalancing, invoking for love, healing others, discovering your true essence, understanding the larger cycles of all life, communing with nature, feeling at one with life and with all creation, and psychic healing of the environment. This book has such an oldie world feel to it. Written and published in the 90s, it gives up a much older feel. And if you are a male witch, I wholeheartedly recommend this book too, because one of her apprentices is male. So she really goes into more in respect of how he can work as a male witch. Obviously, we can all work within the craft the same, but most books and resources for witches are generally female-driven, so I was pleased to see this inclusion. I honestly am obsessed with this book. I couldn't put it down. We read this book with the Literary Witches Coven, and it's the first time I have finished our book in two weeks. 
I want to read it again. I'm really going to focus on many of the Sabbath celebrations and trance work in my craft going forward. So Beth Ray went on to work on magical poetry later on in her career. I will read you a poem she has at the end of the book called Resolution of the Witch. Her writing style is so charming and beautiful. It transports you to another place. So here is Resolution of a Witch. May I be as the one who weaves the cloth in a forest deep hidden. May I sit at the work uninterrupted and may I remain an outcast if that is what it takes. May I know the seasonal procession in my spirit and in my body, celebrate cross quarters, solstices and equinoxes. May each full moon find me looking upwards at trees outlined on luminous sky. May I hold wildflowers. May I cup them in my hand. May I then release them unpicked to live on in abundance. May my friends be of the kind who are at ease with silence. May they and I be innocent of pretension. May I be capable of gratitude. May I know that I was given joy like mother's milk. May I know this as my dog does in her bones and blood. May I speak the truth about happiness and pain in songs that sound of the scent of rosemary as every day an ancient kitchen herb strong. May I not incline to self-righteousness or self-pity. May I approach the high earthworks and the stone circles as fox or moth and disturb the place no more than that. May my gaze be direct and my hand steady. May my door be open to those who dwell outside wealth and fame and privilege. May those who have never walked barefoot never find the path that leads up to my door. May they be lost on the labyrinth journey May they turn back and may I sit beside the fire in winter and see in the glowing logs what is to come. Yet never feel the need to warn or to advise unasked. May I sit upon a plain wooden chair in true contentment. May the place where I live be as the forest. May there be trackways where there are caves and pools and trees and flowers, animals and birds all known to me and revered, loved. May my existence change the world no more nor less than the gusting of wind or the proud growth of trees. For this I go in cast off clothes. May I keep faith always. May I never find excuses for the expedient. May I know that I have no choice and yet still make the choice. As the song is made in joy and with consideration, May I make the same choice every day again. When I fail, may I know forgiveness for myself. May I dance naked, unafraid to face my own reflection. Join me after the break when we talk all about soul loss. Welcome back. So let's talk all about soul loss. So this could be a little bit triggering this episode, just to give you a heads up. It's quite a vulnerable episode as well. 
and I have really hesitated on whether to talk about some of this because I'm going to put in a little bit of my story, which I have already written about in my book. So I feel like it's going to be, you know, out there in a written form, but I felt perhaps it might be quite healing and good to talk about it to see if it helps anyone else and tie in with soul loss. So have you ever felt like a piece of you is missing? A piece that you were used to having, but somehow can't seem to access? Have you ever found yourself uttering the words, I was frightened to pieces, or I feel lost? It feels like a part of me is missing, or I feel incomplete inside. Well, these phrases came to being or originated from the sense of soul loss. This episode ties in with me just writing the last chapter for my book. So it's not fully complete yet. I still need to go back in and tweak a few bits and edit and so on. But it's nearly there for full submission. So my book is really all about healing yourself using witchcraft. So just a section of the book that it deals into is shadow work, the dark night of the soul, witchcraft practices that help you find your way again if you are going through something that requires real deep level healing. There's plenty in there within the craft, but I've really veered away from the witchcraft 101 side of things because I feel like there are some really good authors out there who have done a much better job on that than I could. But I also felt there wasn't enough out there in relation to real deep level healing that we can use and tie in with the craft. This book was effing hard for me to write, but also a beautiful experience. And in a sense, it cemented much of my healing. When I go back and read the beginning chapters, I already recognize how much I've changed. I don't even recognize that person. And the recounts of just everything outline some of what brought me to the dark night of the soul experience. When I came to the last chapter, I had really reflected on how much work I had done over the last year in regards to my mental health and shadow work. And I felt like I had, in essence, really healed on most monumental hurts. Just this one hurt, you know, pain, trauma, really wasn't going away. And to be honest, I felt frustrated that this one thing was still eating away at me because it made me feel trapped, but a little bit of a fraud because I'd written this whole book on healing and this one thing I still couldn't like get over. So I hate sharing stuff about my life, but I am going to let you into one of my dark little stories that for a while I felt a massive amount of shame around. So once upon a time, I dated a man for around three years and we were both very toxic and I totally recognised that. Him because he was a drug addict, addicted to various different things. Me because I was very addicted to alcohol and between us, we had this unglamorous sort of Sid and Nancy chaotic relationship. We had some of the calmest moments ever together too, which is what kept me on the hook. But we also had house parties between the two of us till stupid o'clock, just getting off our faces and being stupid together. This is a while back before I came to recording the podcast. And in essence, our breakup culminated in me starting the podcast. So hooray, thank you for that, X, thank you. We went on this in this cycle for three years. It was very much couldn't live with each other, couldn't live without each other. You know, those circle relationships. 
I would break up with him as I was nervous about his addiction and erratic behavior. And he constantly felt rejected and we tried to win me back. And I think I kind of loved him more than anyone else that I'd been with, but I knew it was terrible. It probably wasn't love. It's probably more of a trauma bond. And I very much liken this relationship to the devil tarot card. Anyway, the universe finally had other plans for us. We went around in this cycle for years and years, still loved him or thought I did, couldn't stay away from him, but knew we couldn't have a future. He actually is the person who got me to my first AA meeting, which is kind of ironic as whilst I was sobering up, he was like skinny as hell and awake for days and abusing drugs. Um, Anyway, I got to the summer of 2019 and I was in sobriety and I kept getting this message in my head, not the voices, lol, but this prompt and it sure as hell wasn't my voice. It could have been a deity. It might have been my subconscious that happens to have Nigella Lawson's voice. I don't know, but it wouldn't shut up. And all she would say was read your witchcraft books. And that voice went on for a long time until I succumbed. So funnily enough, my parents bought me a witchcraft book as one of my birthday presents. So I started on that and then I read everything. Like if I wasn't at work, my nose was in a witchcraft book. I inhaled every single witchcraft book I could get my hands on. And then out of nowhere, I felt the draw, like the pull to start a witchy business. Then out of nowhere, I wanted to start a podcast just for a little promotional thing for my witchy business which was meant to be secondary to like selling the candles and all of that, which is why I often bang on about listening to those first little intuitive messages, because before you know it, you get on that path and the path unfurls for you with the next activity and then the next. And there is always a plan from the universe, I believe, if we just heed it. So I had begun to wean myself off this boyfriend and he had gone spookily quiet. And the final time I saw him following our breaking up was when I found him in front of a police station with his teeth knocked out following being beaten up by his drug dealer. So you can imagine by now we were vibrating at completely different levels. I'd been sober for a while. I was looking good. I was feeling good. I was, you know, I had my nose in a book all the time, but he couldn't have got like more in a downward spiral if he tried. So next thing I know, a few months have passed. I'm doing the podcast, happy keeping myself busy. And I get a message from this ex who like tells me that he found out that he had this child and that he'd got married and, you know, it wasn't to the mother of the child. And my head was spinning like this was just pure Jeremy Cole, but it hurt. Like it hurt like hell because we were trauma bonded with all the crap we'd put each other through. All the back and forth was like an addiction because you experience massive highs and lows and it's equivalent to getting on and off of drugs. So I was sober, I was in a good way, but it it like really hurt me. Roll on a couple of months and I saw a picture of all three of them. So his wife, the child and they all had like matching Christmas pro- like pajamas on and they were smiling and so on. And this is when it like hit me. Like it was the weirdest experience ever. Like it was absolute shock. I sat there like shaking like an injured animal. I threw up. I don't really know like 
how that came about and why I was so traumatized. I think it was someone you thought you loved, like you're very much like trauma bonded to, and then you see them just kind of go off and, you know, get married within like five minutes of, of you two being apart in, in a sense. But, you know, I was in a much better place and all of that. Anyway, so not long after that, he got in contact with me, he was trying to meet me and saying that it, you know, kind of didn't compare to what we had. But again, it was like the trauma bond. And I said to him, I need to accept that it's over and let you get on with your life and me the same. And his response was, it will never be over with me and you. And that felt ominous. Of course, it was the end. Like, I do not deal with married men ever. But it felt like a ball and chain, like a fret almost. I spent months and months feeling haunted by this relationship. And it didn't feel like a normal grieving process. Like, I felt as though I was tethered to something and I couldn't get on with it. I felt like a malaise, like all these amazing things were happening in my life with the podcast and my book and witchy stuff and so on. But I just felt like dead inside, like it didn't feel like a normal grief. I felt trapped. I did every single cord cutting ritual I could possibly do. I did all the things, but I felt like it was still there. This went on for so long and in the end I ended up explaining to my friend in absolute despair who is a shaman what had happened. Just as friends, I didn't feel like she'd have any answer for me and she said, Carly, he has practically cursed you by saying it will never be over with me and you. And then she explained to me about soul loss and soul theft and that, my loves, is when everything changed for me. So I feel very uncomfortable sharing this story because I feel like my reason for coming to soul loss was a bit icky, but I also mention it in my book and in saying it out loud, someone else might also understand this sort of circle relationship and some of the same experiences or feelings you can go through following a toxic relationship. I say toxic There were some of the best moments of my life in the relationship too. It just wasn't healthy. So two things I feel I need to clarify because I probably made it quite confusing, but he found out he had a child as a much older child in double digits that he wasn't privy to being told about because in essence, he was such a wrong one. And secondly, I had already classed myself as a witch for quite a while. But when I started to get the messages about reading the witchcraft books, that was the catalyst for me actually doing something within my craft. But without further ado, let us talk all about soul loss, soul retrieval, and soul theft, all the things that I feel might help you. And I want to say that I feel like this can sometimes be like the final piece of the puzzle following your own dark night of the soul or shadow work for things that may have happened in your life. So in essence, if we experience traumatic periods of our life, we can lose pieces of ourselves and feel compromised somehow. So parts of us can become fractured through trauma. So perhaps being over-disciplined as a child, having a broken heart, experiencing an accident, any shock, loss, abuse, and also decisions that aren't good for us. Soul retrieval is an ancient process where soul fragments that have become detached through trauma or grief are retrieved and then reintegrated into one's body. 
And it is said that carried out successfully, you will experience being whole and reunited with self. Soul loss is seen as a spiritual illness that causes emotional, physical and psychological disease. So when parts of the soul are lost, crucial parts of the individual that provide life and vitality split off and are said to become lost in non-ordinary reality where they exist outside of linear time. Soul loss can be caused by anything that an individual experiences as a traumatic experience to their soul. So when a person experiences trauma, a part of their vital essence yet separates in order to like survive the experience by escaping the full impact of the pain. And sometimes an individual would give their soul parts away due to behavior patterns set up by chronic low self-esteem, shame, and a sense of self as a victim. Symptoms of soul loss include feelings of chronic depression, alienation, incompleteness, emptiness, being cut off from a deep connection with life, living a life that is without meaning or purpose, And these feelings can be experienced as intense suffering or a dull chronic ache. And many will choose to mask it with alcohol, drugs, entertainment, compulsive sex, or just major vices. Soul retrieval is a shamanic process. So the shaman enters a non-ordinary reality to track, secure, and retrieve lost soul parts on behalf of someone who has experienced soul loss. So once the soul parts are returned to that person's body, the shaman will normally recount some of the events that occurred in the shaman's journey to collect them. So I want to say that although I use the word shaman, I prefer to consider more the idea of the medicine woman, the hedge witch type, because I have to consider and tie this in with more of my own ancestry, which is distinctly like Celtic. So I will use the word shaman, but I lean towards more the healer, witch, medicine woman type. The actual word shaman originates from the Tungus tribe of people who lived in Siberia, but overall it means one who sees in the dark or one who looks beyond the veil. And the hedge witch is known for being able to travel through dimensions, see beyond the veil, into the spiritual realms and beyond. So traditionally, it is said that the title shaman cannot be used unless you've been initiated before the age of 30. And the role of shaman would have been passed through families. But of course, this leaves huge amounts of emerging witches, healers, energy workers, psychics and light workers at a loss as to why they are different and can work with this energy. So in essence, our initiation is our life's journey. So any challenges and struggles create experience and insight, but they develop our compassion, empathy, understanding, and want to like help others. And this is, of course, the way of the medicine woman, like medicine man, hedge witch, shaman, however you want to refer to them. They learn their craft through their personal experiences, through finding themselves and how they expand going forward. Shamans are said to dance among the realms of the visible and invisible worlds and are said to live with one foot in the spirit world and one foot in the world of matter. 
The task of a shaman when it comes to retrieving soul parts is to journey to the underworld or lower world and find and retrieve the soul parts, bringing them to the middle world, which is the world we live day to day and then reintegrate them into our body. So the shaman can travel to the upper world, the middle world and the underworld. During shamanic journeying, we can meet with power and protection animals, guides, angels, perhaps ascended masters, benevolent luminous beings and the like, maybe even ancestors. Shamans will gather any information they can from the spirit world on behalf of the client as they go along. They also walk alongside gatekeepers during these journeys. So gatekeepers are honoured, revered, divine guiders or showers of the way. They apparently don't make themselves known to us until a mentor or more experienced shaman introduces us and then we have the opportunity to make a relationship with them. And this is an introduction of sorts or an initiation like rite of passage. So in the lower world, the shaman is said to visit the chamber of wounds, chamber of contracts, chamber of grace and the chamber of gifts. So this is when they are carrying out a soul retrieval. In the chamber of wounds, they witness the wounds and original traumas that have affected us and were experienced by us at any age but the shaman won't take anything back from here as they do not want to reintegrate anything that still remains in an unhealed or traumatized state. The chamber of contracts, we are shown the soul contracts. So an individual may have made either consciously or unconsciously relating to the same. So this information gives the shaman the opportunity to cancel and void those old contracts which are no longer serving us and help us to write new ones. So in the Chamber of Grace, the shaman is shown the healed soul pieces which can be integrated into the body and they will only reintegrate them once the body is clear enough for this. So if the body isn't ready for them through either not being clean or clear enough, it won't be able to hold and integrate the retrieved healed soul parts, which is why a soul retrieval preparation is probably one of the best things you could do in preparation. And we will get into that. The chamber of gifts is said to reveal treasures to the shaman that are for us, which can be blown into the chakras and woven into the luminous energy field that we have. So this is like an egg shaped like vessel that is said to surround our physical body and shamans are said to be able to see this with their naked eye. So when the shaman in the soul retrieval process retrieves and returns the lost soul parts to an individual, this usually means the source of the problem is resolved for that individual's spirit. Then the shaman needs to facilitate the process of resolving the original reason the part left and restore harmony between the individual and their soul part. If the soul loss occurred in the past, Not only does the original trauma need to be expressed and released, but also the behavior patterns that the person has formed. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. To cope with the soul loss, have to be replaced with healthier behavior patterns. So if that person has turned to alcohol or drugs or anything, they have to remove that and obviously create new behaviors that are more healthy because it is seen that they no longer need that vice as the soul part has been returned. Through the soul retrieval process, it can allow you to have returned to you your soul parts lost within this lifetime, soul parts lost in past lives, perhaps like power animals and their medicine and different insights, energies and activations. So if you do decide to look into a soul retrieval, it's recommended that you do a lot of preparation for it. It is said that you receive more soul parts that you may not have been ready for if you hadn't have prepared for them. So by preparing for a soul retrieval, you can also help the integration process afterwards to run smoother. In order to prepare for a soul retrieval, you can shift your habits and behaviors before embarking on your soul retrieval. It will make the process a lot easier for the shaman, but a better return for you. And it helps you to continue with those changes thereafter also. This helps your newly integrated parts to settle back into you in a less dramatic, more sustainable way too. Preparation for a soul retrieval is said to better help the shaman with doing less work, tracking down certain soul parts, enabling them to expend less energy retrieving a single part. Therefore, this helps the shaman to track down more pieces through being able to continue searching and getting the pieces back that you might not have even expected or hoped for. You'll often find that if you prepare in this way, you will find your soul pieces are keen to return to you and will be ready and waiting to come back. So grounding is a huge part in preparation for a soul retrieval and the afterwork also because there is no point in a shaman traveling to locate your soul parts in a parallel universe to help someone discover insight and healing if you continue to carry on with the vices that you turn to as an effect of the trauma that brought you to the soul loss. Like, is anyone else's brain hurting? Mine is, but I'm hoping I'm getting this across to you. So energetic work is really necessary in order to create the effective lasting change to move forward after the soul parts have been returned. 
So it's not just a case of you having a soul retrieval carried out, but you needing to put in the work going forward once your parts are returned. Healing overall is a good way to work towards the soul retrieval process. And that can be in the forms of shadow work, honestly and curiously looking into the most traumatic and emotional times within your life and digging into what really happened and that that you have internalized. So you could ask yourself questions about the events that are in your shadow work, such as what really happened or what aspect of it really bothered me? What was I feeling at the time? How did I respond? In which ways has this influenced like my unconscious automatic responses in certain situations? If you haven't listened to it, the shadow work episode I recorded can give you some guidance on this process. Releasing and letting go and forgiveness are other good areas to address when you are preparing for a soul retrieval. Also, journaling like there's no tomorrow is a brilliant way to get ready. So take that journal with you wherever you go. See it as your best friend that you can write in at a moment's notice whenever pain, feelings or processing hits. Creating, so be it writing, poetry, art or music to heal those feelings. Creating always makes us happy anyway. And if you can express some of those emotions in that, even better. Recording and analysing your dreams and be prepared for them to be wild if you're doing all of this process of healing anyway. They are our direct link to our subconscious. Meditation to go deeper into healing work. So you might want to use like specific binaural beats in alignment to that which you wish to heal. Or you might even want to have a go at shamanic journeying to enter into altered states of consciousness, something that will happen anyway within a soul retrieval. I will link in the show notes a shamanic journeying meditation that you might want to have a go at. We will get into that another day on the show also. If it's part of your practice anyway, praying for and asking for help with your healing process, be it from your deities, ancestors, spirit guides, whomever you work with. And lastly, like taking baths, and I know I always say it, this is something that was offered up in the soul retrieval preparation anyway. But yes, like lighting all the candles, allowing yourself to sit in the low light and either cry or listen to healing music or meditate or read something that heals and helps you. Water is such a healing force to wash over you. Consciously crying, laughing, dancing and singing songs that inspire energy to flow freely throughout your body. This all shifts trapped or blocked energy anyway, which is great for healing. You might even want to look into areas such as Reiki or past life work. This is all something we can come back to on the show, but it's not an area that I have fully explored in my lifetime, if I'm honest. So overall, you might just want to prepare by taking excellent care of your mind, body and spirit, eating good food, drinking great herbal teas, lots of water, lots of time out in nature, exercise and so on. Just tending to yourself laying off any drugs or alcohol too. Often if we abuse these anyway, it can just be a vice that we have been led to, perhaps as a result of the trauma that led to us losing our soul parts. 
Also, releasing toxic relationships from your life, which will ultimately create space for more meaningful friendships and so on. In terms of toxic relationships, I saw this quote recently that I felt I should share. If anyone has ever held power over you, figure out how you unconsciously gave it away. Once you can understand how your own insecurities and your own wounds allowed this to happen, you can restore it. So soul loss is the least discussed cause of illness in our modern day society. Addiction, eating disorders, identity disorders, post-traumatic stress, depression, codependency, narcissism, low self-esteem and adjustment disorders are all seen to be common signs of soul loss. Even if we haven't experienced trauma in this lifetime, if you do believe in past lives, you might end up retrieving parts of your soul that come from that particular lifetime and actually entire abilities that you might not have been able to incarnate with because you lost them many lifetimes ago. I love this bit. So receiving these can be a deeply powerful and life-changing process that is certainly worth exploring. Moving towards your healing is so worthwhile, not just at a personal level, but also for the collective. And even if you decided not to have a soul retrieval, I'm pretty sure you would feel brand new after working through those forms of healing. So what was the point of me sharing my story about my ex? Well, here is the conclusion. So in writing the last chapter I still felt frustrated, like I still felt a big piece of me was still with him and this which is can also be called soul theft and that's what we're going to go into now. So soul theft can take place in a divorce or a breakup of a relationship that is not mutual. It can happen for other reasons as well that we'll get into but for this The grief-stricken lover might attempt to stay connected by taking a part of the ex-lover's soul. But this actually draws from the person who has taken the soul's own life force. So it like leaves them feeling drained and interferes with their ability to, to create new and nurturing situations in their own life. So both are affected as a result. There is still a connection to the ex-lover and a lack of freedom to create new options for both concerned. And that is exactly how I felt. So when a person dies, he or she might be lonely for the person left behind. And it is said that it is possible for the deceased to take that living person's essence along with them. So the feelings with soul theft along with soul loss for both lovers is basically fatigue, inability to create new loving relationships. In some cases, the victim might become really ill in an attempt to join the deceased and the deceased person through maintaining a connection with the living person ends up being unable to move on in their journey to the light. Therefore, both souls remain in a state of limbo. Retrieving stolen souls is said to be much more complex. Soul thieves believe their survival depends on the other person's life force. So they usually won't agree to returning the soul or are so attached to the other person they won't let the soul go. 
The shaman has to try two different methods in these cases. So firstly, by reasoning with the thief by explaining how their actions and behaviours are causing harm to the other person. There will be a little bit of bartering that will take place. So perhaps the soul in return for a form of light or energy or the shaman might retrieve a power animal for the thief. So a guardian spirit that will provide them with a different personal source of energy and strength. So the thief is also said to suffer from soul loss. So an effective way for this issue is for the shaman to provide a soul retrieval for them whilst they are there with the thief. So that once that they have like personal power and vitality, there is no need for the soul thief to use someone else's. Another way they retrieve the stolen soul part is sometimes to use some trickery. So they might ask their soul animal to distract the thief whilst they steal the soul back. And the shaman often has to be conscious of the fact that the thief is also experiencing soul loss too. So they have to be quite compassionate. Sometimes shamans report that clients will become concerned for the welfare of the soul thief instead of feeling hate towards them. So the shaman will often ensure that the soul thief is also provided with some form of healing, enabling both involved to have what they need to continue on their own life's path or their soul's journey in a clear and empowered way. We can also take a part of someone we know just so that we can feel connected to them. So we must have compassion towards ourselves for doing this and find like lesser destructive means to feel love and connection for someone else. So you might believe that you hold parts of someone else's soul and want to return them. In the cases of children, their psychic defences might not be strong enough to withstand overpowering from, say, like a family member, parent or sibling. So in the battle for their soul, they end up like handing over a soul part just as a means of survival. This can happen to adults too, be it in love, friendships, even in professional relationships. So almost a case of like, here is part of my soul, my essence, my vitality, my power. Now will you love me? Now will you recognize me? If we are insecure and don't have a strong sense of self, we often don't realize there are other ways for someone to acknowledge and love us without in essence selling our soul. So once this begins, then our defences are, of course, weaker. So an individual might find themselves regularly handing over soul parts to that thief instead of working on psychic defence. And here we have a significant problem in our society, which is codependency. And codependency often occurs in families or just generally relationships where addiction or abuse is present. So I read an article on a website called ellenmgreg.com that said that the soul is seen as similar to a garlic bulb in that in its whole state with the outer skin and the clothes all intact, the bulb or the soul is perfectly healthy. The number of clothes could almost depend on how many incarnations a soul has experienced, which means every soul is unique even in its intrinsic oneness with the universal field. 
So when the soul is fragmented, so if the bulb skin were to be torn, then it's possible for the clothes to be jarred loose and fragmented from the bulb. So the bulb is now unwhole and is more empty or has a cavity and is more vulnerable than in its intact state. When we experience trauma during our lifetimes, pieces of our soul leave the body and escape to the safe place. They take refuge or harbour elsewhere since what we are going through at the time is too overwhelming and traumatising. So visualise this as your soul with a fragmenting and also if you do believe in past lives, Imagine over the course of many lifetimes how it's possible to have a lot of fragmented cloves at bay. So these fragmented cloves can lead to a fragmented life that can be filled with dis-ease of any variety and the dis-ease will be unattributable to anything like conventional medicine can identify and that's because the roots extend way beyond the physical body and the psyche. So if you did opt to have a soul retrieval carried out, this is an outline of how the process would work. I did want to say my friend who is a shamanic practitioner is going to be coming on the show to talk about what she does within her practice amongst other areas of hedge witchery and also explain how at some level you can work on your own soul retrieval. So an outline I came across for what a shaman will do when they carry out a soul retrieval is as follows. They will identify and remove past life artifacts and or repair past life trauma in the energetic body and field and align the chakras, which creates a healthy and safe space for the fragments to return to. They will hold space with no energetic manipulation or egocentric qualification for the soul retrieval itself and allow whatever time it might take to return each clove to rejoin the bulb. And repairing the skin of the bulb once all the cloves are back in place, then they carry out another scan of the body to ensure the energy body and fields are clear and the chakras are still aligned and then the energy work part of the session is complete. So practices differ, of course, This gives you some outline, but also Sangra Ingerman talks in her book, Soul Retrieval, about physically blowing back the soul into the heart and the head following the retrieval. Each soul retrieval is said to be as unique as each soul is, and so are the results to each individual. So shamans heavily recommend a lot of self-care immediately after and in the days, weeks to come until the soul pieces are fully integrated. It is said to be a beautiful and meaningful experience that resides in the magical realm that can be experienced yet not told. So in conclusion to my story, the day I finished the final chapter of my book was a very emotional day. It really felt like the closing of a chapter of my life because it was all about my journey of working within the craft and healing many things. That night I went to bed and I had the strangest dream that I was with my ex and we were standing with our backs against some railings and I said to him, oh, here I am with the man that broke my heart, to which he laughed and said, you broke my heart first. I laughed and I let rip and in this dream pretty much told him everything that I wanted to say in real life without any pause. 
to which he told me how much easier his life was now without our relationship and that him and his new wife like do lots of things together and so on and then I cried and I ran off and he came to follow me I returned to a house in the dream and continued to cry but I felt the pull to return and find him and find him I did through hearing him laughing and like showing off to some people So when I approached him in this dream, I already felt numb and like decided that there was no real point in trying to really talk to him. So in the dream, he asked me if I wanted some drugs, which of course I associate with him anyway. But the strangest thing happened because as he dug into his top coat pocket to get said drugs out in the dream, of course, he leant over and blew onto the top of my head and across my face. And in the dream, I felt as though something had knocked me off my feet. It was such a powerful sensation. Like I couldn't stand on my feet properly in the dream and adjust. And straight after that, I woke up. The strangest dream I've ever had. It felt different. I felt as though something had been returned to me. Like I hadn't fully looked into soul loss and the process and this is how I came to do this episode. So I had got some basic understanding of it, but I didn't understand about the soul theft side. I knew of soul loss. I didn't fully understand all of the partner side of things. And it was only through doing this episode that I got some closure and some understanding on it. That was a little while ago. Like since that day, a lot has changed for me. I do feel quite indifferent. I'm, you know, it's, I don't know what to expect going forward. It's clearly not like a full shamanic retrieval done by a shaman, but I feel like the dream was massively symbolic. I told my shamanic friend and she said, Carly, this literally feels like a soul retrieval. Like he has agreed to give you your pieces back. So again, like I say, a grant is not a full soul retrieval. This is something I absolutely want to do, like once lockdown's over, but it does give me some closure and peace. And I'm absolutely here for that. So following that dream, my friend advised me to do something to seal in those pieces. So like some dancing or some chanting or singing, something that makes you feel powerful, even banging a drum or using a rattle. And that would all be akin to that that a shaman would use at the end of the soul retrieval process. So I know we've touched on this on this episode, but here are a list of symptoms that are claimed to be linked to soul loss or soul theft that I will leave you with that you might want to contemplate and consider if you feel that these might apply to you. So chronic depression, saying I have never felt the same since a particular event experience happened. Apathy, numbness, lack of vitality or fatigue. An unhealthy connection to any past partner or family member. The inability to end a relationship. Feeling like your soul was stolen by an abuser. A feeling that you are watching your life from the outside. PTSD nightmares or flashbacks of an old trauma, chronic illness or a weak immune system, feelings of emptiness which you try to fill with external things, difficulty of staying present in your body, so disassociation or having memory gaps, and a propensity towards addictions or destructive behaviours. 
So do with this information what you will. I really feel like it is worth contemplation. It is definitely worth having a look back and seeing if it would be something that might finish off perhaps any shadow work or, you know, dark night of the soul experience that you may have had. As mentioned, my friend will be coming onto the show to discuss more in relation to shamanic work from the hedge witch's perspective. There's so much that she can delve into for us to consider, but I really hope this has helped. I know that it is a lot to get your head around. Hope it hasn't traumatized you in too many ways. Of course, if you feel the call to carry out a soul retrieval, I mean, here in the UK, like, in the, you know, in the future, we can see things starting to lift up. I know that some shamanic practitioners do do retrievals online. Me personally, I feel like I would rather have one done in person. Of course, when lockdown lifts, like something maybe later on this year. Like I said, there are some ways that you can work on your own soul retrieval. I know not all shamanic practitioners believe this. I have heard other shamanic practitioners say that this is something that they do feel is possible. I will attach my friend's details in the show notes. This is by no means any promotion, but you may just want to go and give her a follow on Instagram and learn more about her work or contact a shaman that you can find personally. You might even just want to work through all the healing work we put into the show today and follow it up with a ritual and prayer for returning your soul fragments. So I will leave you with this prayer that you may wish to use. You might wish to adapt it accordingly. So prayer for returning soul fragments. I pray and ask that through my connection with the divine spirit, to aid me in retrieving any lost soul fragments that wish to return back to my soul level. I acknowledge that these soul fragments separated for a specific reason and that I am open to the healing of their return along with all of the past memories, emotions and releasements in full. With your power and energy, please allow any lost soul fragments from this lifetime to be returned to their proper places at my soul level and allow my energy to be sealed for my highest good of all. So that's the end of today's episode. I just want to say once again, I've had so many lovely reviews through messages. I love to hear from you. I have been a little bit AWOL on social media recently. I'm not going to lie. I guess I kind of needed a bit of time out to work on the book and type some things and work through some of my own emotional ups and downs. But I always love to hear from you. So don't be a stranger. Please do get in contact if there's anything you want to share or, you know, if there's anything you want to see on the show, please reach out. Thank you so much for your reviews. I'm so bloody grateful. If you have left me a review, thank you so much. Someone left a review recently. I absolutely loved it. And she said that she now listens to a podcast episode and she can often hear me narrating something that's happening in her life which I just I just thought that was so sweet so thank you so much um if you haven't left me a review but you feel the call to and you are happy to I am so grateful because it absolutely is the best way to support the show it means that other people can find the show so if you can please do and thank you 
You can find me on Instagram at The White Witch Company. You can find me on Facebook, The White Witch Company. You might want to join the Literary Witches Coven where we read a book together each month. And our book for March is The Familiars. I will link some details of the Facebook page in the show notes and of course Instagram if you want to find me over on there. But aside from that, lots of witchy love and I will catch up with you all soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.